1: Before the year of famine came, Joseph had two sons, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of on, Onbore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. It's a verbal participial name. It means the forgetting.
0: Today's Reaching Your Heart is entitled All My Father's House. We'll bring you the first portion of this message here today. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Tango.
1: Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father God, as we open up the Bible, we are reminded that we are saved by an unusual kind of grace that numbers the world and finds the one And Father, sometimes in this world we feel like we're insignificant, like we don't matter. And yet Jesus comes in His Word and He looks for us as the great shepherd of the sheep. He goes in search of the one as He leaves the ninety and nine. May we never forget, Father, that we have a shepherd God. And may we always remember that He loves us. In Jesus' name, Amen. The book of Genesis begins with a letter that tells us a whole lot about our covenant-keeping and merciful God who wants us all to come home to Him and live with Him forever and ever, there is a massive invitation in the very first letter of the Hebrew Bible. This Hebrew letter, bait, the first in the Bible, informs us that the very first idea in Holy Scripture, in that one little letter, Bet, or bait, some might say, reveals that we worship a God who created the whole universe to be His house, our Father's house. The first Hebrew letter in the Bible is the letter, Bet, which means house. It appears in Genesis 1.1 in the translation, in In the beginning, in is house. It's the letter that means house. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You go into a house. You live in a house. You belong in a house in the beginning. The Proto-Sinai script, the pre-Hebrew script that Moses must have used, found at Mount Sinai. It contains this letter in the ancient form. It looks like a house with an opening, a round house that you come around and you get in and you circle to the center. The oldest Hebrew script for bet meaning house is a picture, as I said, of a circle. The circle of the house of the round. And somehow inside we find God. In the beginning, God means that God is our house. Joseph was trapped for many years of his life in a prison cell that was called in Hebrew, the house of the round. That's what it was called. It was the circle of the roundhouse that was a jail. He could go around and around and around, year after year, day after day, and getting nowhere in life, it seemed. But Genesis informs us that God was in that roundhouse jail with jailhouse Joe, and thus it became a home, and God was in the house with Joseph. Joseph. Dear heart, you may feel like you're trapped in your house. You may feel like you have no way out. And friend, God is in the house with you. When Joseph was finally released from prison, Pharaoh made him ruler over all Egypt. And Pharaoh gave him Asenoth, the daughter of Potiphar, to Joseph as a wife. I am fascinated with the person of Asenoth. In fact, I believe that the deepest narrative, the deepest significance in the Joseph story is not Joseph and his brothers It is Asenath. And this sermon that I am preaching today is part one of two that will unveil the mystery of Asenath. When Joseph went throughout all the land of Egypt, Joseph had a family again in a foreign land. His life was put back together in Egypt. When his firstborn son Manasseh was born, Joseph contemplated his long journey without a family in the house of the round, the jail, without a family. And then suddenly he was out of that house that jailhouse that had trapped him for so many years he left it behind and as a free man in egypt joseph was set free in his new life his new wife to tour all the land and to build a family a new beginning and to save the world as a free man in egypt joseph had this to say about his new life his new family his new wife asanas name is a hebrew name it is not an egyptian name is a name that means evil, calamity, and harm. It comes from the Hebrew word ason. Her name is associated with the word for a thorn bush used at Mount Sinai in Exodus 3, Sana. And yet Joseph found an Asenath, the calamity Jane of sorts, who was named after a thorn bush. Imagine naming your daughter after a thorn bush. What kind of father or family would allow that to happen? But that is the case. And he found a wife that Pharaoh gave him who bore a Hebrew name. He found in her a way to forget all the trouble in all his father's house and to be comforted by her love, Asenath, Genesis 41.50, let's turn there and read. Before the year of famine came, Joseph had two sons whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. It's a verbal participular name. It means the forgetting. The child that causes him to forget. Verse 52, the name of the second. He called Ephraim. It's a dual plural in Hebrew for fruitfulness. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. To me, the name means doubly fruitful. I have born too. And so Joseph chose to forget all his father's house, and yet he forgot that he was part of his father's house. His two sons were part of his father's house, and also they were born in Egypt. So no, he couldn't really forget all his father's house, even though he wanted to. And even though he might forget where he came from, God did not forget him or his father's house. Because we worship a covenant-keeping God who is our house, remember, in the beginning God. House, the beginning God, in the beginning God. Because we worship a covenant-keeping God, who is our home, our house, friends, no one that God loves, no one that grace has been poured out for, no one that Jesus died on the cross for is insignificant. Everyone is a somebody in the plan of God. There are no zeros in God's calculation of numbers. There's always one that matters, and you are the one. The eternal God, friend, is our God, our loving God, who was with Joseph for all those years in the circle of the roundhouse that was his prison in the circle of the mundane. And the Hebrew narrative bears out day after day, day after day. God was in the house. And we should never forget that we worship a covenant keeping God who is the personal Yahweh. I am. In fact, Isaiah adds to the I am expression as the I am here God who is in the business of making a home and a house for us. Jesus framed his Father's will so profoundly in his promise to his disciples that he will come again. John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Let's read this together. It's kind of like a Interactive thing. Come with me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Doesn't that make you feel good to read a promise like that? That's not a promise. That's the Lord's promise. Christ who went to God for the purpose of receiving His kingdom and the investigative judgment is coming back from God to gather us home for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have a home in Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms. The Father's house matters to the Father. It should matter to us. Joseph had come to the place in his life when he found it comforting to be married to the daughter of Potipharah as her title, her full name designate is Asanath Bat-Potipharah in Hebrew. The a ah is not pronounced. It's more like a vowel pushing toward an unpronounced consonant. The ayin ah guttural at the end of her name has enamored scholars. What on earth is it doing there? It doesn't make any sense in ancient Egyptian or Hebrew. It just seems to be something sticking there. We'll talk about that next week. But the daughter of Potipharah is described there, a woman curiously with a Hebrew name that means evil, calamity, and hardship. The masculine noun that it comes from is the word Ason. Ason. Her name is Asenath, And yet in the arms of that woman named Calamity, the Calamity Jane of Egypt, and harm, her name meant calamity, harm, and evil, given in marriage to him by Pharaoh, Joseph found love in Egypt. He found a blessing in this person's life, in his. He found enough love to forget all his father's house, or so he thought. Was also not the blessing to Joseph or not? Raise your hand. Huge blessing. And then the nightmare came into his life again in a single day. It's like, hey, things are going great. This is fabulous. And suddenly, look what happens. Ten Hebrew brothers show up in Egypt, announcing that they are 12 brothers. Kind of like a clannish kind of group of guys that look motley. And they say, with one at home in Canaan with their father and his brother, our brother, dead. Joseph sees them. He recognizes that they were his ten brothers. The nightmare comes to Egypt. And he recognizes that they are from his father's house that he wanted to forget. Where Benjamin is now, he did not want to forget Benjamin, but he would love to forget them. And as Joseph tests them, because he cannot reveal himself to them unless he knows that they are changed men, as he tests them to see if they are still the same murderous, awful, bad-act brothers they had been when they sold him into Egypt. The saga of the silver cup divines the truth when it is found in Benjamin's bag. When Benjamin was trapped with Joseph's silver cup by design, pulled from his bag... Judas stood up to save his younger brother by choosing to take his place as a slave in Egypt. And thus Judah becomes, by right, the one who will be the messianic line, the one who saves by taking the place of another. When Joseph saw and heard all the love that he had for his brother Benjamin, he sent everyone out of the room but them. And then he revealed to them that he was Joseph. He said, I am Joseph. Joseph. Genesis 45, verse 3. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. And then the question about his father. Is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Uh, The first words out of Joseph's mouth had everything to do with his father's house and him by implication. He asked the question directly, is my father still alive? And then he turned to his brothers and he said, come near to me. Come near to me. Let those words settle in on you a little bit. Come near to me. Put it in the context of a man who'd been alone for all his years in the circle of the roundhouse. God was there, but human contact of family was not. So the key word in this expression, come near to me, is the word near. I've been alone for all these years without my father's house. And now I am married to an Egyptian woman with a Hebrew name I can't figure out. Her name means calamity, harm, evil. And yet in her arms i found love. But my life is incomplete because my family is broken. My family is broken. She has gone through a whole lot like me and I don't know the whole story. But I'm grateful for her, but my needs are not met because unless my father's house is fixed, I am not fixed. And so I need you to come near to me to embrace me as your brother so I can embrace you because my father's house must not remain broken. Joseph was in the circle of the roundhouse again, but this time it was not a prison under Potiphar's control. He was trapped all right, but by the tight arms of a God of love that had drawn him in again to his father's house. Come near to me. He had said, is my father still alive? I met my father, as many of you know, shortly before he died. I was separated from my father as a child. I had no idea the first day of school that my father would be there in that hospital dying. I did not know the story that he had given his life to Jesus. He had dealt with his sins. He was seeking a Savior. He was seeking to find his children and bridged them to God, and I came into his hospital room that very first day because the name I could not avoid, Oxentanko. There was only a few of them in the country. When I came into his hospital room, I arrived when the preachers were getting ready to anoint him. I hadn't been in a church in years, and I didn't like churches, but I found myself on my knees because God was in that room. When God pulls your family together by divine power and providence, God is in the house, and God was in the room. And the pastor who would later baptize me was one of the pastors who anointed my father. His name was Donald Vollmer, who's now a retired pastor in California. And he calls me every now and then, almost every week, to pray with me. In many ways, in recent years, he's taken the place of my father in my life. But I am so grateful that God does not leave families broken. By God's grace, by God's power, He brings people together. I hadn't seen Dad for many years since I was a child, and I was afraid to meet him again for fear it wouldn't work out.
0: We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Tenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentanko in today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: I remember walking up to the hospital room where I saw the name Leroy Oxentanko, and I was horrified at the idea of going in. What would I find? I was 15 years old. I hadn't seen him since I was five or six. And what would I find beyond the door? Joseph felt the same way at at a more profound level than I did. I met my father. I discovered that he loved God. He gave me the book Steps to Christ, and I read it before he died. I chose to become a Christian. I was baptized after he died. He never knew that. I stood at his graveside thinking to myself, I will have to tell him in the resurrection how it turned out. The event that shaped my life, that totally transformed the direction of my life, was that encounter with my father. Now Joseph's story resonates with me. It's amazing. I have not preached on this story in all of my ministry until now. And it resonates with me how deeply God cares about our families. You know, it's not some theological treatise on who's what and this and that. It's about God finding people, mending people, be it Joseph's brother, Joseph, or someone else. God brings them together. So Joseph felt the same way at a more profound level than I did. What would he find when he met his father? What would his family be like? How did God heal Joseph's father's family his family, and put the dysfunctional and broken family back together after the horrible sins that had defined them for too many years. The sin of the rape of Dina by Shechem, that stands prominent in the Joseph narrative. That seems to be the center of gravity for all the pain they have. It loomed large and defining in all of their memories, and yet they couldn't even talk about it. The evil anger and the spirit of revenge that had motivated Levi and Simeon to murder every male in the city of Shechem, including Shechem and Hamor his father, had set the course for the evil, the calamity, the hardship that they would all find in Egypt for the weakness of their father. It was all encapsulated in that awful event that occurred at Shechem. It's no accident that Joseph's wife, Asenath's name, in Hebrew means evil, calamity, and hardship, Shechem and Hamor Hamor, Hamor, had wanted to make amends at Shechem, his father. And so they agreed to get circumcised to join the clan by reversing the shame of Dina's rape. They said, we'll become Jews, not Jews, but we'll become Israelites like you. The brothers had offered the deal of circumcision, and the Hebrew says they had mirma, which means treachery. It's the same word for the Antichrist little horn of Daniel 8, who practices treachery. And in just a few days, Shechem and his father Hamor were dead bodies on the ground, With all their males of the city, the entire city was wiped out, except for the children who were not males and the wives, with no hope of having any sons. They were sold off as spoiled, the text says. I mean, these were awful bad act brothers. Joseph's brothers killed them in cold blood. Joseph's brothers did that to Shechem and all his father's house. They were like Hitler with the Jews and the Holocaust, but they were Israelites, so it's kind of reversal here. Anyone can hate and do awful things. They patted themselves on the back as they boasted to their father, shall our sister be treated like a prostitute? Why are you giving us a hard time? And then after that horrible hate chapter, that sin, they sinned again. The sin of hating Joseph, their half-brother, who they wanted to murder outright to make him no brother at all, but who they sold into Egypt to let somebody else down there do the dirty work and kill him and get him out of their lives. Slaves didn't live long in Egypt, and so they just sold him off to go south and die in the sand and let the ground cover him. And when they returned home to their father, they lied to him, just like Jacob had lied to Esau, but far worse. You see, when a parent doesn't get a grip on their sins, they tend to pass them on to their children. They lied by saying nothing, by simply holding Joseph's coat up with a smile on their face and then a frown because they couldn't give it away. Dipped in goat's blood. Dad, we found this in the field. We're so sorry. It's Joseph's coat. Their father wept for days and would not be comforted. They crushed their father. The name Asenoth in Hebrew means evil, calamity, or hardship. And the only person in the Joseph narrative to use that noun now hear what I'm saying, the only person in the Joseph narrative to use the noun that that name is based on, the noun Asone, is Jacob. Jacob is the only one who uses that noun in the book of Genesis. And Jacob uses it because of his fear of Benjamin going down to Egypt. Asanoth is the feminine form of Asson that means evil, calamity, and hardship. It is related to the word for thornbush, as I said. Jacob feared Egypt because he did not want to send Benjamin to Egypt to bring Asson, that is evil, calamity, and hardship down on his head. He was afraid of Egypt because Asson was there in Egypt. Paradoxically, Joseph's wife's name, as I said, was Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah. One might think this a coincidence. There are no coincidences in Holy Scripture She bore the name in the Hebrew feminine form of Ason, descriptive of the calamity, the harm that Jacob feared in Benjamin. She somehow is the center of gravity of the whole struggle in the Joseph narrative. Friend, Jacob is the only person in the book of Genesis, and I repeat myself, to use the word ason to frame his fear of Egypt and what it might bring if Benjamin goes down there. Look at the verses with me. Genesis 42, verse 4. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he he feared that harm. Now you'll see next to it the word ason. There it is. He feared that ason, harm, might befall him. Now go with me to Genesis 42, 38. Look at this verse here. But he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he only is left. If harm, and what do I have written next to it there? son, same word, shall befall him on the journey that you are to make. You would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to shield. Now this is the one that enamors me. Genesis forty four twenty nine. 29. It says, if you take this one, now what is the next word it says in the text? Also. Now that word matters. If you take this one also from me. Now did he know that they had taken Joseph from him when he said this? No, he did not. What is he talking about there? If you take this one also from me, and notice the word, and harm, I forgot to underline it, it's awesome, befalls him. You will bring down my gray hairs and shield to death. That is a strange and intriguing statement. Jacob, the father, didn't know that they had taken Joseph. They had shielded that lie from him. So who is the one that they would take also away from him down into Egypt? It's a question shouting out volumes with the word a asone in Genesis 44-29. I ask you, how does God heal a family that is messed up like this, where the father is governed by fear from Asom, calamity, evil, and harm, that is found in Egypt. How do you, as God, use Joseph, who was harmed more than any other? He was now married to Asenoth, whose name in Hebrew means evil, calamity, and harm. How can God use Joseph to heal his father's house that stands before him that day as twelve brothers broken? This is the question that must be answered in everyone's house in the church. You see, we all have times in our lives where our houses are broken, where the church is broken, where families are broken, where we are broken. How do you heal a broken home and a fractured house that is defined by sin, uncontrollable fear, evil out of control, harm and calamity, a sown, when the language of a dominates your vocabulary? Genesis 45, verse 5. And now do not be distressed. Or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph is turning the narrative around.
0: That will conclude the first portion of Pastor Michael Oxentenco's message entitled, All My Father's House, Here on Reaching Your Heart. We'll conclude this the next time we get together. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org/video. reachinghearts.org/video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart.